Let the whole earth be filled with His glory. Psalm 84:11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 97, verse 6. The heavens declare His righteousness and all the peoples see His glory. I want to see it. His manifested presence. Amen. Psalm 102, 16. For the Lord shall build up Zion. That's the church. He shall appear in His glory. Psalm 104, 31 says, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. Isaiah 45. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Say that. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Haggai chapter 2 verse 7. For this thus says the Lord of hosts. Once more in a little while I will shake heaven and earth. The sea and dry land. And I will shake all nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory says the Lord of hosts. Then there's one I like this in Luke 9. It says but Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw His glory. So church, we need to wake up if we're going to see His glory. One more. This is one of my favorites out of Second Chronicles. In chapter 5, in verse 13, it says, Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and, and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Say that. For He is good, and His mercy endures forever. And here's the result. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That's the end game, folks. We want the house of God filled with the glory. We're individual temples of His glory, but our our heart desires and cries out for God's presence to be manifested. There's the corporate anointing. And so when we come together and worship every time on a Sunday morning, there's the corporate anointing. And so... Keep your eyes open. Stay awake and cry out for His glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up this morning.
perfect love casts out fear. Your perfect love I am yours, Jesus. I am yours.
once more. We honor you in this house. And there's no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus, this morning. And we're not ashamed of your name. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we come boldly before your throne of grace today to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. Glory, 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 glory. We thank you, Father. We worship. We worship you. We worship you in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I know that the Holy Ghost is the director of the service, and I want to go back and sing that just a little bit more, but I feel like you're just kind of reserved today. Maybe we got guests and you just want to be on your best behavior. Well, forget that. Amen. You know, when we start singing about Jesus, we can shout. Amen. If we get out of order, I'll let you know. So don't be nervous. Amen. Let's sing it a little bit again. Let's just worship and proclaim His praise today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank Thank you, Lord.
Lord Jesus. And we do declare there is power in your name. There's salvation in your name. There's healing in your name. There's deliverance in your name, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. Now be glorified. Holy Ghost, help us. Glorify Jesus this morning. And may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. As Kathy comes, I want to read a scripture. And it's from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So the earth's going to be full of His glory. I believe that. That's why we've got to talk about it. Think about it. Proclaim it. Amen. Amen. Wednesday night is prayer. Tuesday night at 6 o'clock is Patriots United. Now, I believe God is on the move. I believe in the harvest that we're preparing for. I believe in the glory of God. But there's no victory without a battle, and we're still in a battle. There's a battle raging right now. So I'm going to give you a couple current events, then we'll talk a little bit about finances and receive this morning's tithes and offerings and Go from there. So, this week, seven out of eight of our state school board members voted to proceed with promoting the health sex standards. Their excuse was, there are some good things in it. Regardless of all the opposition, and to me to say there are some good things in it, so we're going to proceed, is like saying it's okay to eat rat poison because we mixed a little ground beef in it. I have some friends. Really, I do have some friends. <laughs> yeah, they're all from Monroe, Monroza, Warrior City. <laughs> they don't live in Monroe right now. One of them is a teacher in the hardcore North Omaha area. Another is a teacher in in a college, and she teaches the intro to education classes. So those that are wanting to go into teaching. And they've been teaching for years. And they contacted me this week and they said, can we come to the mind polluters? We've been wanting to see it. And my one friend that teaches at the college, she's no wimp, <laughs> to say the least. And this is what she told me. I'm scared. I'm scared because what I see going on in the public schools right now. And she said, we have to do something about it. And she said, this is in small town, Nebraska, public schools, I'm scared. And the one in Omaha says, I've been battling this and battling this and battling this for so long. And I'm getting weary. We've got a battle 
and and the first thing you do is get some knowledge. And so I don't under I don't have time to research everything. You don't have time. But we need to get informed and when we come together, we all have our areas of expertise. So on the 20th of February, from 2 to 4, Patriots United is hosting the Mind Polluters movie documentary here. It's been going all over the state of Nebraska. It isn't pleasant. But we're in a battle. And you need, you know, you say, well, you know, I understand, I know, and we want to let other people have room here. You are our boots on the ground. You need to be here if you can. It's important. Because we can't sit by anymore. We had a local school board member that just filed to run again, and he is for this. He is for the CRT in the schools from, what, from when I've listened to him. So the battleground's right here. And in the mind polluters thing, it says one of the most dangerous things is like in small-town conservative places, we think this can't happen here. And it is happening here. I had another friend small she's worked in public school 20 years and she she wasn't a teacher she worked just in the front offices and stuff and she loves the kids and they got a new administrator and he basically drove her out because she stood up against him and what he was promoting and for the kids now if I'd been her I'd have squealed and hollered a little longer but but she had been there. She says, I couldn't take it anymore. This is what's happening in our public schools. We've got to be aware. We've got to stand up. Right. And that's why we've got to be united. And we, we have, we've got to do something. We've got to. And, and the reason it's important for you to be aware, because there is a spiritual side and a natural side, and, and we've got to fight the spiritual battle first. But we can't do that if we don't know what's going on or if we just want to bury our heads and go back to the way it was. So that is my current events message for the day. If you open your Bibles, I always have trouble. You know, you need to switch gears. Open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. We've been talking about, we usually talk about finances. And just go through finances Because one reason is, I believe, more than ever right now, we've got to be strong. We've got to be strong financially. We've got to be strong physically. We've got to be strong above and beyond everything else spiritually. So we need to get this information, and we not just need to look over it. We we need to do it. We need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Now, I've told you for years, God never does anything just to do it. There's always a purpose and a reason. He doesn't tell you to do things to punish you. He tells you to do things to help you. So this is what it says in Malachi chapter 3, and we've read this over and over and over. In starting in verse 7, it says, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way do we return? 
He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for our sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine... Fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. There are three scriptural ways to, to sow your finances. Tithes, offerings, alms. Tithes is the foundational one. Because it deals with your heart when you can just give, give to God. Because we talked about last week... Money is not the root of all evil. Love of money is the root of all evil. And as you sow, it helps keep your heart right. Amen. right. So as, as you bring time, and, and it gives instructions. If you go through all the word of God, but this is the most, the best explanation. The tithe should be 10% of your increase. It should come to the local, where it says in verse 10, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. That is translated treasury of the house of God, or the place where you're being fed spiritually. And the purpose of that is so that we can turn on the lights and pay the bills and open the property for organizations that are doing stuff. And so that we can work together and help churches that have had fires and so we can do those because we can do more together than we can do alone. Amen. And it says that there will be food in my house. And that's talking spiritual food. If you want good spiritual food to go forth, then you need to, you know, prepare the table. That there may be food in my house and try me now in this. This is the one scripture, the one time God says you can test him. Put me to the test in this and see if I won't do it for you because you have a legal right because you have done the covenant the covenant giving says the Lord of hosts if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it so when if Mike and I were the only ones in this house that tithe then maybe this much of the spiritual windows would be open. But the more of us, the more of us, the more the windows are open. So it's important here again, it's important for all of us that the windows of heaven are open so that he can pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. We need the devourer rebuke, not only in our personal lives right now, but in this nation. So that he will not destroy the fruit of our ground. That means our children and the future generations. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. So I just encourage you. We will talk in the weeks ahead about offerings, about alms. But I believe that tithes is is foundational. Amen. When I was 14 years old, my Methodist pastor taught me about tithing, and it's worked for me ever since. I believe in it. I wouldn't get up here and tell you about it if I didn't believe in it. And here is one more thing, and then I'll be done. For some reason, when we read scriptures like that, we get this idea, well, and it doesn't say this. It does not say 
Once you turn 18, you should bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And once you are retired, you can quit. Doesn't say that. I believe in training your children from the time they're little to tithe. Because if anybody needs to devour rebuke for their sake, it's our children right now. And when you train them young and they only, ha- they only tie the dollar off a of 10, you know, that's not too difficult. Don't try to start when you just got 100000 okay? <laughs> train them so that it's just a way of life. And it will help keep their hearts pure too. So I would just encourage you, from the time they're young, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. want to uh, show you our purpose. It's very simple for the days, weeks, and months ahead. And simply this, to help you, the believer. How many of you believe in Jesus? To help you, the believer, develop a harvest mindset and mobilize you to go and fulfill the Great Commission. As I told you uh, last year, as I sat in the back in prayer, then I got real quiet. The Spirit of God said to me, and it was a little foreign to me, the language was a little foreign. It said, marshal the forces. And I I began to reflect and think about that. It means to organize. It means to get you ready for what's coming. Harvest is coming. And so, you can take that down. Thank you. Um, So, we're going to concentrate on that. And I want you to look in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I was thinking about, as Kathy was sharing about, you know, opening up our church to the community and, and organizations that are doing great things. I listen to Mario Morella. How many of you know who he is? And he was saying, he gets up there, and usually when he opens his mouth, he really comes against a lot of pastors and churches 
that aren't that they don't have a mindset about harvest and moving ahead. And he said a lot of churches has just gone back to status quo. Like nothing's happened. This church isn't going backward. We're going forward. And uh, things are changing. Things will be changing, I believe, for the better. And that doesn't mean darkness is going to go away or evil is going to go away. But if it gets darker, the church just gets brighter. And you're the church. And so, you know, I, I am, and I told you I've taught for the, the last few weeks about the east side. You remember the temple was the east side? One of the tribes was this Shakar, and they, had, they were politically savvy. They had understanding of the times. And I'll tell you what, I want this church to have understanding of the season in which we're in. Every season of God. Amen? Now, John chapter 4 and verse 27, it says, And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. This, remember, the woman at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman. And he was talking with her, and yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the man, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, now listen, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months? Then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now, I'm going to read it to you from a, <clears throat> the Living Bible translation. Let me look at uh, 34. It says, the Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? So people are thinking, oh, harvest is just a ways off. Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping. That's the hour in which we live. It's not this fall. It's now. And so I want to help you develop that, that mindset. I want your eyes to be open to see the harvest. Matthew Henry, a great commentator, says, The reason why his work, Jesus' work, was his food, was because it was his father's work, his father's will. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. The salvation of sinners is the will of God. The salvation of sinners is the will of God. The salvation of sinners is the will of God. He made this work his business and delight. When his body needed food, his mind was so taken up with this that he forgot his hunger and his thirst. He was so preoccupied and consumed with the harvest with people that he forgot his hunger and thirst. He was earnest and in care to go through it and to finish his work. He resolved never to quit it nor lay it down 
till he could say, it is finished. Now that was our Lord and Savior. And if you're a born-again believer, he's inside you. So that passion should be inside you. It's there, but sometimes we need to stir ourselves up. Amen? Amen? It's, it's so important. Look at Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 9. These are two texts that I'll probably be going over these quite a bit. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages. <clears throat> he went to Norfolk and Tilden, Meadowgrove, Neely. I, I, that just came alive to me one time when Mike Keyes was here. He ministered how, how Jesus went about, uh, you know, preaching the gospel of the, the kingdom to not only cities, but villages. Even Monroe. Tavern. Went right into the tavern of Monroe. Huh? That's where he found you. Yeah. But when he saw the multitudes. Now listen, this is, I like this. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now listen to this last sentence. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now I want you to see two things here. He's the Lord of the harvest. That means Supreme commander. He's in authority. He's the master. He has the power. He's the Lord of the harvest. And I want you to see something. And I want, I want you, if you don't forget everything else to say today, I want you to know he's the Lord of the harvest and it's his harvest. It's his harvest. It's not your harvest, my harvest. It's his harvest. And so we, we should be about our Father's business, going about and reaping that harvest. Amen? Now, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. A while back, Christensen's gave me this book. And I've had this, some of these book, a few of his books in my library. His name is Rick Joyner. He's a prophet. Wouldn't you call him a prophet? Yeah. And he, he had a vision in 1987. And so this book that he wrote, it's called The Harvest. Now, this is the 2012 expanded uh, edition. And uh, so he's kind of updated. But I'm going to read to you from his book today, chapter 2. Is that all right? Can I read to you today? And it's called Understanding the Harvest. Understanding the Harvest. Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age. <coughs> Between now and the end of the age, more people will come to know Jesus than have from Pentecost until this time. Before the end, every village and every nation will have had the gospel preached to them. Every person living will hear his name. The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And many whole cities and some entire nations will be converted to him. 
Entire cities and nations being converted. The magnitude of what is coming cannot be measured by anything that has ever happened before. Even the cosmos itself will be electrified with its energy. More than a tithe of all the people who have ever lived, more than one billion souls will call upon his name in true commitment, resulting in true conversion. The harvest will exceed every previous outpouring of the Spirit in one profound way. Now, oh, this is so good. Jesus will be preached as Lord and not just Savior. During the harvest, the gospel will be changed from come and be saved to bow the knee, he's the king. This is the seventh and the last trumpet or message to be preached. This message will not come in word only, but in power and unprecedented demonstrations of the Spirit. Just what Smith Wigglesworth prophesied. Another aspect to the harvest at the end of the age is the reaping of evil. A harvest is the reaping of everything that has ever been sown both good and bad. The evil that was sown in man will also come to fruition during this time. While the wheat is being gathered, the tares will also be gathered into bundles or unified. However, the gathering of the tares is actually meant to aid the gathering of the wheat. The separation and distinction between the two seeds will become increasingly visible in the days to come. Now, he wrote that in 1987. Are we seeing that? Yeah. The man of sin or the personification of the sin of man will also be fully revealed and understood during the harvest. This is not to be feared. He who is in us is much greater than he who is in the world. And the least of those in the kingdom of God has more power than all the antichrists. That just kind of blows our gaskets, doesn't it? Nevertheless, this evil must be understood or many will be unnecessarily captured by it. This vision is given to encourage and prepare those who will be laborers in this great work. It includes certain ecclesiastical and world events which relate to this preparation. These are not shared for the purpose of emotional stimulation, but because the information is needed for the church to accomplish her mandate. Now, let let me interject something. And I've been on her to do this, and she'll do this. Because we, we, we've been talking about in the church many times there's over-exaggerated emotional responses. The church today cannot be led by its emotions. And you can't worship God like you did in the 80s or the 70s. I le- I'm letting that sink in. God's doing a new thing. And we can't let our emotions... Rule us. It's time to awaken, to be sober in spirit, to give ourselves fully to the purposes for which we've been called. Second Corinthians 5.15 He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him. It is now time for us to walk in a manner worthy of our callings. Now everyone listen. Every believer has a specific job to do. We have all been called for a purpose. The Lord wants every person whose name is written in his book of life to see his own name written, to know that he's known by him, and to see clearly his plan for his life. In the coming days, the most powerful army ever assembled will be mustered. This army will not be equipped with guns or swords, but no power in heaven and on earth will prevail against it. Its leadership will seem undistinguished and in some cases invisible. 
But no human organization has ever equaled its discipline and resolve. This army has been enlisted by the Lord himself. He will train it. He will lead it. And when the battle unfolds, its members will march in perfect order. Oh, every pastor says, oh, please, Lord. When the battle unfolds, its members will march in perfect order without deviating from their paths or crowding each other, unyielding in their resolve with the least of them having more power than the greatest of their enemies. This is the army of God envisioned by the prophets, soon to be a reality. To be numbered in this army will require training and spiritual discipline. Michael, listen to this. To be numbered in this army will require training and spiritual discipline exceeding the physical and mental discipline required of elite military units. You think, Steve, we got some work to do? (laughs) In relation to this, I was shown a war horse. This creature has been wild and easily frightened into spontaneous and uncontrolled reactions. After proper training, he was able to charge into the face of cannons, rifles, sabers, and yet never lose his composure. In the most deafening confusion of battle, he was able to feel and respond to the gentle nudge of his master's near heel, which directed him to turn or change his pace. This will be the discipline of the coming last day ministry. Regardless of the confusion and noise of the battle, the church will be so in touch with the master that she will feel and respond to his most gentle nudging. Just as a war horse not trained properly would put himself and his rider in jeopardy, those who today Those who today do not submit to the Lord's discipline will be in grave danger in the coming days. He quotes Hebrews 3. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The Lord has prepared a ministry for this last day that will be a marvel of men and angels. I like this part. These will not be self-seeking or self-promoting. And most of them will remain unknown to the world and to much of the church. There are unknown preachers and congregations like ours out through this nation. That God has prepared for these last days. Brother no name. Their works and preaching will stir nations, but many will fade into the crowd and disappear before anyone ever knows who they are. Many of the most wonderful apostles and prophets will remain nameless and faceless to the public. These have no desire to build major ministries and will not covet fame and fortune. They are spiritual celibates. They will not rape the bride, the church. Just as a natural eunuch is given entirely to preparing the bride for the king and has no desire for her as he's not even able, these will be completely given to preparing the church for her king. Their whole purpose is to see the king's joy because they are truly his friends. These will follow him wherever he goes. While many of their peers have been seeking exposure and promotion for the ministries, these have been quietly preparing themselves just as Jesus did for his first 30 years 
While others are advancing in ministry, many of these have been retreating. While others have been building up, these have been digging down, trying to strengthen their foundations and deepen their roots. Though not in rebellion and often grieving over it, these are usually out of harmony with much of the church. These are the ones about which it was said. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. When the battle unfolds, much of the leadership in the church will have gained their positions through self-promotion and political manipulation. Many who are considered generals by the people will be privates in God's eyes. Some in the lower ranks in the people's eyes will be called, will be God's top generals. Those who will be the future leaders will not even seek rank or position in the church at this time, but will quietly, sometimes incognito, direct the end-time strategy of the church. Their authority will be in their wisdom, like Stephen, who was just a deacon, but whose wisdom and power lit a fire that set a new course for Christianity. This new breed, without fame or position, will direct some of the greatest events of history. Though men will never know many of them, the entire host of heaven and hell have known them and have been expecting them from the beginning. Not since Jesus has the enemy feared anyone like he does, these selfless messengers of power. Just as he tried to destroy Moses and Jesus by killing the children, his present onslaught through abortion, drugs, and disease is a desperate attempt to destroy these before they can mature. Some of them will have been dragged through the dregs of human sin, tra trauma, and despair before they are awakened. Now, I want, you, I, want you, I want to say that again. I want you to get this. Some of them will have been dragged through the dregs of human sin, trauma, and despair before they are awakened. They will love much because they were forgiven and delivered of much. As deep as the enemy has been able to get his roots into them, that is how deep the Lord will fill them after their deliverance. Others will have been raised in religious shelter, but the good they know will be from the tree of knowledge and not the tree of life. Like Saul of Tarsus, these will struggle in religious anguish until they're released. Then they will be used to put the axe to the root of the tree that has caused all of the death from the beginning. These will shine with the light of the tree of life and bring healing to the nations. The Lord began forming his body, I'm almost done, on the day of Pentecost. Through the centuries, he has continued building the body, adding to those who've overcome in every age. The last members to be added to this body are metaphorically referred to as the feet. How many of you got feet? Just as our feet touch the earth while the rest of the body stands erect in the air, the feet of the Lord's body will touch the earth, but represent the entire body that stands completed in the heavens. The scriptures say that all of his enemies will be crushed under his feet. Even so, these are not acting alone, but are merely fulfilling and accomplishing that which was prepared by all of those who went before them. When Jesus was asked about the authority by which he did the works, he responded with a question for them. Was the baptism of John of God or of men? This was not an, this was not an arbitrary question. The answer to this question was the answer to their question. Jesus had credentials exceeding those of anyone who had ever walked the earth. From the first prophecy given to the woman about her seed who would crush the serpent through an unending chain of prophets and righteous men, including all of the ritual of their own law, every word had pointed to him. 
John stood as a representative of that order who had prepared his way and testified that he was indeed the Lamb of God. To be baptized by John was to acknowledge this testimony of the one who was born king. The feet of the body of Christ will carry the credentials for all of those who have gone before them. They will be joined to each other like no other body of the people have ever been joined, but they will also be joined to the true believers of all ages who lived and prophesied of this day. As Jesus promised, the things he did and even greater things will be done in his name because he went to the Father. His faithful will will soon walk in unprecedented power and authority. Now, this is, remember, keep in mind, this is 1987. In the near future, the church will not be looking back at the, now, this is good. In the near future, the church will not be looking back at the first century church with envy because of the great exploits of those days, but all will be saying that he certainly did save his best wine for the last. The most glorious times in all history have now come upon us. You who have dreamed of one day being able to talk with Peter, John, and Paul are going to be surprised to find that they have all been waiting to talk to you. You've been chosen to see the harvest, the fruit of the seeds that they were planting. We've come to the most blessed time to walk with God, but we must not be arrogant. The feet would not be of any use without the rest of the body, and we would not be where we are except for those who laid down their lives before us. When the feet are joined to the rest of the body, the whole body will be joined in the triumph of this day and receiving of its fruits. So now he he goes and he gives you a, a 2012 update. He says, the second sentence of this chapter states, between now and the end of the age, more people will come to know Jesus than have from Pentecost until this time. Studies by evangelists evangelical organizations indicate that from the time this vision was was received in 1987 until 2002, this had become a fact. Even so, that was just the first wave of revival that I'd seen coming. The next will be much greater than the first. Most of the rest of this first chapter is still in the future. The body of Christ becoming the great army is called... It is called to be, is not yet materialized, but there are signs it could be beginning. The allied countries in World War II mobilized fast and turned citizens into the most effective force in history. How long it will take for the body of Christ to mobilize and become the army it is called to be is yet to unfold, but it can happen fast. Of course, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual, and this army will not be mobilized to kill or wound, but to heal and save. We will not be marching to conquer, but to set the oppressed free. The army has not yet materialized, and the biggest wave of revival that I saw at the end of the vision has not yet come. However, as I saw in this vision, there would be a period of relative quiet between these two great waves of the Holy Spirit. We've been in this period for the last few years, and it has only been recently that I've heard the Lord say the next wave would soon be upon us. Now, this is 2012. Now the signs of its approach are obvious. The greatest revival, the greatest awakening the world has yet known will soon break forth across the earth. It is time for the greatest mobilization to start if we're going to be ready for this wave of revival. Wake up, Harvest Church! Wake up, Harvest Church! Wake up! Harvest Church. 
It's happening. And I want to be right down front. I had to watch Braveheart the other night again. Or the Patriot. I've seen it, I don't know how many times. God's looking for some real Holy Ghost patriots in the days ahead that know how to wield a sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Every, every eye closed, please. Two things I want to do. Number one, if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I've never made Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Savior. Today's the day. Don't put it off. Let me tell you something. Hell is a real place. Hell is as real as heaven is real. And whatever place you go, it's for eternity. It's forever. I want you to know today, you don't have to go to hell. God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Salvation, eternal life is free. You can't be a good person. You can't be a member of a church or a certain denomination or do good works. It's by grace you are saved through faith. All you have to do is cry out to Jesus and say, I believe, Jesus, you died on a cross for me. You bore my sin, my sickness, my diseases, my shame. You went to hell for me. You were raised. And now you were seated at the right hand of the Father. I don't want you to leave today without knowing Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. God loves you. Very simple. The scripture says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. For with the heart, mouth, the mouth believes on, or the, with the heart, man believes on the righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So all you need to do is ask Jesus into your heart. And I want to give you that opportunity. I'm not here to embarrass you. I don't like to be embarrassed. I don't like to be put on the spot. But if you have not made Jesus Christ, no one looking around, your eyes are closed today. If you've not made Jesus your Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to lift your hand. Just lift your hand up and I'm going to pray. I'm not going to call you out. If you've not made Jesus your Lord... Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, look at me. This morning's message was an eye-opener. It was meant to stir your heart. Open your eyes to see the harvest that's out there. It's my, my goal this year...
If you have never, ever led anyone to Christ, then you're going to learn how to do it. Steve, if I can get you as passionate about winning others to Christ as you did for the Convention of States, look out, Steve. Father, I pray today for your people. They've heard your word. They've heard the call. I pray, Lord, in their hearts they'll answer the call. They'll heed the call. Father, I ask by the power of your Spirit today to open their eyes to see the harvest that's ripe. Let their hearts be moved with compassion for those that are lost and sick that need salvation, healing, or deliverance. And it will not come through the preacher, but it will come through their mouths, their hands, their hearts. Being motivated and stirred with compassion. Holy Spirit, do a deep work in all of our hearts in this place. In this new year, help us become harvest-minded. Mobilize us. Holy Ghost, marshal the forces in this place. Just like Jesus, who went about doing good, healing all that are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Lord, let that be our heart's cry. And let us not just be talkers, but Lord, let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. So Holy Spirit, I thank you. I speak grace to the mountain called Harvest Church today. Every person, I speak grace to their lives that, Lord, will become supernatural, Holy Ghost-led soul winners. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing, but then we'll go eat. Is there anyone here that you need prayer for your physical body? Anybody else? Now, extend your hands because... Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Timothy, come here. <laughs> yeah, you. <laughs> I know where you're going. The Bible says we can pray for the sick and they'll be healed. We can lay hands on the sick. You're going to lay hands on these people today for healing. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Father. All you need to do is receive. In Jesus' name. Whew. Thank you, Lord. It's in the name. It's in the name. <laughs> it's in the name of Jesus. Thank you for healing, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you. Now, I'm going to do something here. Why don't you put your hand on their head? Don't worry about their hair. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. All you do is receive. Receive, receive, receive. Receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord Jesus. 
Where is she? Ben, come here. He's taking a long time. You start on that end. Can he do that? Sure he can. In the name of Jesus. Say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He's the next generation. Because there's another generation of believers rising up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let that anointing flow, Father, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. In Jesus' name. We release that anointing today. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. You put your hand on her head, too. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. Amen. Amen. Why would you do that? <laughs> because that's what you need to do. You're not going to call me four in the morning. You do it. You got it. And that's what this next move of God will be through your hands. No superstars. There's only one. His name's Jesus. And that's it. And all the glory will go to him. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving this morning, ministering, healing, for healing is the children's bread. We thank you. Now, I've, I've say, I don't like to use the word feel. I sensed a stronger anointing when I had them than me doing it. That doesn't mean I don't have an anointing, but it means that God is emphasizing the fact that in the days ahead, He's going to use you. And I'll say one more thing, and we'll pray, and we'll go eat. Quit talking negative about yourself. Quit talking doubt and unbelief about yourself. You start talking the way the Word says you are. Who you are in Christ. You have authority. You need to use it. Amen. Well, amen. Father, we thank you for today. Our time of your worship, Lord, your word, Lord, your ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we ask that you bless our food, you bless our fellowship in the name of Jesus. And Father, we remember Tim Carter's father, Dale Carter who's about ready to step into glory. Lord, he's at the hospital, and it won't be long. I pray, Lord God, for your peace to come upon their family. Strengthen them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. How do you want to do this now? Now you, now you can go. Thank you. <laughs>